Hey everybody, welcome to The Light Angle. Today is May 3rd, 2023. My name is Jack. Normally I say, hope y'all had a good weekend, but it's Wednesday. So what that means is I did not do an episode on Monday. Uh, my apologies. I took some much needed time off from work uh, in the world to uh, spend some time with my brother and ride some motorcycles in places well, he hasn't ridden before, so we did some exploring, had some good times, lots of deep conversation, as you can only imagine. And uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure I still got an episode out this week, so putting one up a little bit late. So um, yeah, apologies, but here you go. And there are some interesting things we're going to talk about here. Um, yeah, not like... <laughs> Not like there isn't anything interesting going on in the world every single day lately. I mean, holy smokes, three people getting fired off a of mainstream media last week for who knows why in some cases. <sighs> Another bank went down. Did you know that? Yeah. And I thought that was interesting that uh, the bank that went down was bought by another bank, but the media kept saying it was bought by the government. Let me explain that for you. JP Morgan Chase bought First Republic Bank, right? When First Republic Bank went down last week and you're saying, well, JP Morgan Chase is not the government. Well, kind of they are. If you do your research during 2008 and the financial crisis, the, the JP Morgan Chase uh, was one of the banks that went under and the government bought them out. So hence, therefore, uh, they got to keep their name, but really the government bought them out. So you see what's going on here? Yeah. Hope you're paying attention because stuff's going to get crazy. <sighs> Lots of other scuttlebutt and rumors and news on the streets. All kinds of things coming up. We're still in, oh, or excuse me, we're not technically. Uh, there's still a war in Ukraine with Russia. And yeah, now we're being told. Putin has cancer, but depending on who you've been asking, that's he's had cancer for years. Some say he's already dead. I don't know. Sounds all like more shenanigans and silliness. A whole bunch of other stuff going on, you know, and I'm not going to rehash everything on the front page of Google News for you because, well, none of that is good news. And while I don't have a bunch of good news, I do have some not bad news. Does that make sense? So... Also, another thing, you know, people right now are having a hard time getting jobs. Whether they want to or not, uh, that's the question. You know, where are all these people getting money? Well, this one lady I'm going to talk about in our first article, she's getting money from dumpsters. <laughs> you see what brought me in here? Anything having to do with hot trash brings Jack right in. So let's talk about this. <laughs> Woman claims... She makes up to $5,000 a month from dumpster diving. Calls it a real-life treasure hunt. Hmm. How about that? A Pennsylvania woman has turned dumpster diving into a lucrative business after discovering that authentic designer items are often tossed away. Veronica Taylor, 32, of Quakertown, Pennsylvania, teamed up with her friend Liz Wilson, 38, to sell the salvaged items on the auction app Whatnot, and on live-streamed auctions. It's really like a real-life treasure hunt, Taylor told Fox News. Taylor began dumpster diving with Wilson in June 2022. Initially, Taylor said it was just a hobby, finding the unusual activity to be so much fun. 
By February 2023, it was her full-time gig, she said. I'm going to pause here. Never in my life or anyone I know have I ever said or they ever told me that, hey, you know what we should do tonight? We should dump in some dive, <laughs> dump in some dumpsters. We should, we should dive in some dumpsters and see what's in there. Nope. You know why? Because they smell. You know why else? Because I know what's in there. Trash. Yeah. It's not something a normal person thinks about. But anyway, Liz did. <sighs> Reading on. Among Taylor's finds, a Louis Vuitton wallet and designer shoes. She donates most food and hygiene products to charity, she said. Let me pause again. If you're finding food in a dumpster, you shouldn't be giving it to anyone. And hygiene products? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is they're probably used. No one should be handling these things. This is not good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue now and read some more. You have no idea what you're going to find, she said. And I can hang out with my best friend and make a living from finding things. Taylor splits the sales with Wilson and claimed to be making a full-time income from dumpster diving. I want to say we've been getting four to $5,000 a month, she said. It's definitely not worth working a real job for. Okay. Dumpster diving, Taylor said, gives you so much freedom. Taylor and Wilson now travel from city to city, exploring dumpsters in rich people neighborhoods and at thrift shops. We find Louis Vuitton, Michael Kors, said Taylor. That's in thrift stores, we thought. There's no way this was in the dumpster. Taylor and Wilson said they assume it's older people working in the stores who don't know much about the brands and throw them out. She continued, it is really like being on vacation all the time. The typical places that we do really well at, we go to every single night, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. usually. During live-streamed auctions, customers bid on items as they are discovered. The money made is 100% profit. We pretty much take any offer. I'm going to pause again. So, ma'am, you're posting an online auction, making money from something and selling a product to somebody else. Therefore, there is proof that the IRS can use to come after you. So hope you're accounting for all your sales when you do your tax returns. Mm -hmm. Moving on, we also give a lot away too. And that's why our supporters keep coming back. They know we hook them up with trash, she said. Another, reasons, another reason why auctions are so enticing is because every item starts at a dollar, said Taylor. We do a big auction every Saturday and then multiple pop-ups throughout the week. The larger auctions feature over 100 items, whereas the pop-up auctions have between 40 and 70, she said. That's the end of the article, and I think enough has been said about that. I did enjoy where she said uh, dumpster diving is like she's on vacation all the time. Once again, something I've never thought about doing on vacation, Dump, dumpster diving. It's what, and again, this is claims folks. Let, if you hear this and you think, and, and you think, I'm not going to judge you, but if you think that dumpster diving is something you can do and you know, the idea of, you know, this, these two people making four to $5,000 a month off of doing it is what you're going to base, you know, quitting everything and going into suspicious neighborhoods at night and alleys to dump, jump into dumpsters. I highly advise against doing this. First of all, <clears throat> it's for health reasons, it's dangerous. All right. You're, you're jumping in very nasty, dirty places. 
Two, you're in an area or in a place that's usually very poorly lit. Usually, I'm assuming, where hmm, suspect characters like to hang out and do dealings late at night. I mean, I'm just, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just assuming that's what goes on. But what's wrong with having a regular job, you know, and putting in a couple hours a day each, each day throughout the week and making money a legitimate way instead of looking through trash? Huh? Huh? Okay. Well, I thought that was funny, interesting, and something you don't hear very often. This next one isn't something you hear very often either. When I say horror movie, do you think of a Christian horror movie? Has Christ and horror ever come hand in hand? Probably not. But did you know that recently the movie Nefarious was released? And it is a Christian horror movie. Very interesting. And once I get through this article, you're going to say, oh yeah, I see it now. Because that's what I did. Um, and I I probably still won't watch this because, you know, I'm one of, one of those people who watches a scary movie and then has nightmares and walks around the house while sleeping. And yeah, it's not good for anybody. Anyway, let me get in, into this. Nefarious, from strange ailments to car accidents, the spiritual warfare that occurred while filming. Mm-hmm. When Nefarious directors Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman first conceived of bringing the spiritual thriller to the big screen, they knew they would face unseen opposition. But the duo didn't know just how much, in their words, the devil didn't want this movie to be made. We had a friend tell us a long time ago, for those people that don't believe in the devil, declare war against him and see what happens. Solomon said, Well, we declared war against the devil for the Lord, and we'll say that honestly, from the first moment we wrote the script, weird, crazy things began to happen. Inspired by the book, A Nefarious Plot, by New York Times bestselling author Steve Deese, the filmmakers, who are also behind the pro-life film Unplanned, described described Nefarious as a cross between C.S. Lewis's novel The Screwtape Letters and the film Silence of the Lambs. The horror thriller film follows a convicted serial killer, Sean Patrick Flannery, who, on the day of his scheduled execution, must be certified as mentally competent by a court-ordered psychiatrist, Dr. James Martin, played by Jordan Belfi. But Martin is surprised to discover that the killer is possessed by a demon, Nefarious, who tells him that before the day is over, the psychiatrist will have committed three murders of his own. As a storm gathers outside the prison, Nefarious chips away at Dr. Martin's resolve and conviction, confounding and unsettling him so much that he begins to doubt his own sanity and fears for his life, reads the film description. As the two face off, they deliver crackling energy and a series of disturbing uh, preternatural revelations, propelling them to an inexorable Yeah, that word. Astounding conclusion. And from petty inconveniences like a squirrel breaking into the Airbnb and destroying a nativity set to larger issues like the roof blowing off their office and strange ailments afflicting the cast and crew during filming, the creator said the spiritual warfare taking place throughout the making of Nefarious was undeniable. The first day Steve Deese visited the set, he got very sick with a cyst under his arm. Suddenly, it disappears, Konzelman said. 
literally the morning before the theatrical premiere, it comes back. And by nightfall, he's in the ER mumbling and muttering incoherently. He was near death and had a live infection. MRSA was in his bloodstream. It was everywhere and he had to undergo surgery and he almost died. In another instance, a Catholic priest trained in exorcisms and spiritual battles hired to be on the set with the crew had to undergo an emergency appendectomy yep, during shooting. His appendix burst during filming and he almost died, the filmmakers recall. The surgeon told him, if you got here an hour later, you would not be here. <clears throat> and in the first 11 days of shooting, eight crew members got into severe car accidents. <clears throat> and we didn't have a big crew, Solomon said, yet not a single person was injured. That's crazy. 11 days and eight crew members got into accidents. Hmm. And these stories are just the tip of the iceberg, the filmmaker said. The adversary does what he does, but the Lord does what he does. In other words, you want to stop the movie, but I'm going to protect the people doing the movie and make sure they keep going on. The duo reflected on some of the strange goings-on that continued to take place in theaters once the film opened. It was a constant struggle in the theaters, Solomon said. The fire alarm goes off in multiple theaters across the nation. Computers would malfunction so people couldn't buy tickets. It would show a theater was sold out, but it wasn't. Most unnervingly, there were numerous reports of people growling and vomiting in the theater and then not remembering any of it when they woke up, Kozelman added. The devil literally didn't want us to do it from page one, he said. But we pushed through. The Lord said, keep pushing. The reason we did it honestly was the Holy Spirit basically called us to do it. We prayed on it. We prayed on everything and just kept on moving forward. When you go through an experience like this, your faith in God goes up. And so does your understanding that the devil is real. Despite ongoing spiritual opposition, Nefarious has seen astounding success. The film has received 97% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and grossed a whopping $1.3 million in its opening weekend, despite being shown in only 933 theaters and opening against two other horror films. The movie is surviving and going and surviving and growing, Konzelman said. It's anointed. It's God bring the truth like a lion. Unchain the lion, let him out of the cage, and the truth, you don't need to defend it. It will defend itself. I don't know how the spirit works, but I know it's working on this film, he added. The film received an R rating, although it does not feature any explicit language or sexual content. Solomon said the rating was political, adding they gave us an R rating for the breaking of a finger. Disney cartoons have more stuff than that, which is true. But they knew Christians wouldn't go see the movie if it had an R rating. Even the film's poster, which depicts the demonic face and its listing as a horror thrill thriller film, were something of a Trojan's horse in the hope of attracting non-believers and those who are in trouble with the devil. It was a gutsy call on our part, the filmmaker said. Already Solomon and Konzelman have heard numerous stories of people being saved, forgiving abusers, or hewing from trauma after watching Nefarious, stories that have brought them to tears. The pair said they believe the film is resonating with audiences due to the darkness increasingly permeating society. I defy anyone to walk out their door and say that they don't feel that something is wrong, Solomon said. I think a lot of people are seeing the reflection of evil and they're realizing this makes perfect sense. God loves me. The devil hates me. The hater is going to try and hurt me. God is going to try and help me. And so they shift to God's side. And I think it is powerful. I think it's a sign of our times that literally we had to use a demon to preach the gospel. 
If we used a priest in that role or a pastor in that role, no one would be interested. But because the world has fallen into a dark place, the demon is preaching the gospel. We don't use the demon in a malicious way against God. His anger and his malice validate the fact that God is real. Looking ahead, the filmmakers said they want to use their talents to continue telling stories that highlight God's goodness and expose the reality of the devil, even if it means going through spiritual warfare. Everyone says, I'm willing to suffer until it's really rough and it's terrible, Konzelman reflected. And you think, what am I doing? Why am I going through this? But then you eventually settle down and you think, I'm going through this because this is a battle. It's a battle between good and evil, and the Lord has called us. Mm, amen, sir. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? You know, you start out with thinking, oh, horror thriller <clears throat> for Christ. I don't know about that. And I'll tell you right now, um, everyone has to know their purpose and know their spiritual gifts. And what these two did is not what I have. <laughs> I'm not capable of such a thing. Um, but the fact that these two were able to pray on it and continue moving forward and continue inviting the Holy Spirit in their lives to put this together and reach a group of people who, ah, dare I say, most of us would never be able to. I mean, that's amazing. You know, if they could bring one person to Christ and give that per and that person would find eternal life, isn't that worth doing it? I think it is, but I think they're going to have a lot more than just one. Anywho, again, nefarious it opened last month check it out if you're into that sort of thing um and yeah and pray for those who are watching it not knowing who christ is hope they oh get some eye opening and understanding of good and evil i also like how they mention you walk outside your door right now and you can feel that something's wrong man is that true good night <sighs> speaking of stuff that's wrong do you know what sin is? Like literally, what is sin? What a what a kind of a weird word. We all have our own little definition for it. You know, basically anything that's wrong, right? That's what sin is. Well, it's a little bit different. So this is from Clarence L. Haynes Jr. And who is he, you're asking? Well, I've actually read a couple articles that he's done in the past. And uh, he does a lot of good stuff for uh, BibleStudyTools.com writes a lot of articles there, but he is a speaker, a Bible teacher, and a co-founder of the Bible Study Club. He's also the author of The Pursuit of Purpose, uh, which helps you understand how God leads you into his will. He's done a bunch of other stuff too, but he's a pretty cool dude, very educated, and uh, he has a knack, I should say, for shedding light and a little bit deeper understanding on things you think you know everything about. So he goes on to say, growing up in Sunday school, I remember how we used to define sin. I'm going to pause there. Me growing up in Sunday school, we had a retired Navy veteran who told us about his days in Nam. So I think our Sunday school teachings were different than his. Anyway, maybe this will refresh your memory. Sin is anything you say, do, or think that goes against what God wants. While this may appear to be a simplistic definition, it does point to the heart of what sin is. Over the years, conversations about sin, especially from the pulpit, have become passe or out of style. But it shouldn't be so. Sin is just as dangerous and destructive now as it has been since Adam and Eve ate the fruit, so it should not be taken lightly. So what is sin? In the Bible, the word sin 
whether it is in Hebrew or the Greek, actually means to miss the mark. The reason this definition is so important is because it points to two things. First, there is a target we are aiming at, and second, it speaks to our intention. Once we know there is a target, then we can choose to hit it or to miss it. The target is God's word or commands, and when we miss the target, we have committed sin. What makes something sinful is when we know what we are supposed to do and we choose not to do it. Then we are engaging in sin. For something to be sinful, we must be aware that it violates what God desires us to do. This is not always determined by a written code, but it is also evident by the moral code that God has placed in every man's heart. For example, when Cain killed Abel, there was no written law that said you shouldn't murder, but the moral code of not committing murder was written in Cain's heart. So what does the Bible say about sin? As he said before, sin is not something that should be taken lightly, and the Bible speaks a lot about sin. Here are some verses that speak to the nature of sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, 1 John 1.9. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy, Proverbs 28.13. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Jesus replied, oh, I'm sorry. That was Galatians 6, 8. And then Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. John 8, 34. So why is sin so serious to God? There's many reasons why sin is so serious to God. Here's three. Number one, sin dominates. When you think about what sin is, you must recognize that sin looks to dominate a person's life. Sin doesn't come in to be nice. Sin comes in to take control. Sin is relentless master that looks to steer and direct every aspect of a person's life. Number two, sin devastates. <clears throat> There's a truth about sin that we often don't want to admit. Sin is destructive. Sin destroys families, it destroys relationships, it destroys careers, it destroys ministries. If you allow it to linger, it will destroy everything in its path. This is why sin is so dangerous. Number three, sin separates. Perhaps the most serious aspect of sin is that it is the only thing that separates us from God. Because God is holy, sin cannot dwell in his presence. Thus, it is the reason why it separates us from him. Roman 8 talks about what can separate us from the love of God. The argument Paul was making is that there is nothing and no one that could ever separate us from God's love. Nothing that happens to us or is done to us will ever keep us from God's love. However, while nothing outside of us can separate us from God's love, the choices we make can. Meaning that if we choose to live in sin and continue in sin, we will ultimately be separated from God's love. Remember, God is holy. So how can I know if something is a sin? Thankfully, we have two gauges in our lives to help us define and know what sin is. The first gauge is the Word of God, and the second is the Spirit of God. God's Word is clear in defining things that are black and white and are sinful without any question or room for debate. For example, you don't have to ask if sexual relations with someone other than your spouse or cheating on your taxes are sinful because the Bible is clear on that. However, there are some gray areas of Scripture that where something might be sinful for one person and not for another. I'll give you a personal example. There are certain shows on television that I cannot watch that I know other Christians do watch. It might be all right for them, but for me, the Holy Spirit has steered me away from these things. This is why your relationship with God is so important, because he knows what's best for you. 
God's word will define the sins that are black and white, and the Holy Spirit will define for you the sins that are gray. Together, they will keep you from missing the mark and continue living a life pleasing to God. Here's another good one. Are there different levels of sin? The first thing you must be clear on is that all sin is bad. James 2.10 says, for, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. What we sometimes fail to realize is that while all sin is bad and destructive, some sins have a higher price tag attached to them than others. This means the consequences attached to engaging in certain sins is greater than others. It doesn't mean the sin itself is greater, just the price you pay for indulging in it. What you must also be aware of is that your sin does not just affect your life. It affects other people's lives as well. The greater the influence you have, the greater the impact of your sin. This doesn't mean that the sin you committed was greater. It just means it affected more people. There is one fitting way to conclude a conversation about what sin is. Just do your best to stay away from it. Proverbs chapter 7 talks about an adulterous woman. I would encourage you to read that chapter, and when you see the adulterous woman, recognize that as sin. At the end of the chapter, Solomon gave some words of wisdom, which I will close with as the warning to keep sin out of your life. Proverbs 7, 24-27 says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Hmm. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Really kind of lays it out in front of you. You know, we're, uh, for many of us, we grew up knowing, oh, there's seven deadly sins. Well, are there? Or is it just that every sin is deadly? I mean, any and every sin keeps us from God, right? So therefore, while those seven deadly ones might have higher consequences or they might affect people around you, any sin keeps us from God. Hmm. Interesting stuff. I think we all learned something today, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Saying that, why don't you all pray with me? Father God, Thank you for allowing us to take time off to escape from responsibility and the troubles of life. In that same breath, thank you for the motivation and excitement that time off gives us to get back into serving you and those around us with new drive and urgency to get after it. I pray you would keep us all focused on what is going on in this world, not to instill fear or anxiety, but to be aware of what the enemy is up to so we know who and what to pray for and how to best use the gifts you've blessed us with. In the days and weeks ahead, keep us focused on doing your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light in the darkness.